Hola, amigos. Hello and welcome to King of the Ride podcast. I am Ted King, your host here on King of the Ride. Hola, because this very special edition podcast comes recorded at a taco shop in the burbs of San Diego. Studies have shown that people actually study better, learn better, read better, and rumor is that they podcast better with some white noise in the background. Our guest today, Pete Stetna. This conversation takes place while Pete and I are in the final pre-race prep leading up to Belgian Waffle Ride, fittingly on Cinco de Mayo this spring. So the noshing of chips and sipping of horchata might be heard in the background as well as a bit of mariachi music in the ESPN Deportes on TV as well. Definitely a fun conversation. Pete Stetna, longtime stalwart staple of the European Peloton, a member of the Slipstream program for a good long while. Then Pete first turned professional with that outfit in 2010. He's a gentleman who is built for the mountains. Pete goes uphill like a rocket. He's understated but eloquent. Pete is very professional about his position and is beginning to try his hand in the gravel scene. If you paid attention to BWR, Pete was clearly well-fueled with those tacos. And in this gnarly race of attrition, Pete, young Eddie Anderson of the Action Hagen's Berman Squad, and I emerged from the dust of Lemon Twistenberg. And the three of us went into the finale, bumping bars and racing for the win. For visual reference, I highly recommend you take a minute, take 10 minutes, check out my YouTube video documenting this season's races. So head over to YouTube, look up the Grode to Kanza, G-R-O-A-D. Heck, I'll plant a link here to the sh- in the show notes. As it turns out, Pete's training, so to speak, for gravel by taking on the world tour. So just t- days prior to BWR, he was out racing Liege-Baston-Liege, taking the win there in San Diego. It clearly worked out in his favor as world tour fitness seems to be the very strong trump card. Congrats to Pete. Check out that video. You're definitely going to enjoy it. So I asked Pete leading into the race, what is his wild card? We talk about it in this episode. What will be his secret to success? And to no surprise, it is that he has world tour fitness. He focuses entire profession and being on racing a bicycle. I truly stunned myself and some set some power numbers at BWR this year that I haven't seen in years, literally four years since my professional days. And that said, I did some back of the napkin arithmetic recently, and I'm training nearly 30% by time less than last year at this point. I thank the diversification here in Vermont, shoveling snow, cutting the lawn, tending to my garden to continually be able to put in big power numbers despite dropping the training numbers. Because trust me, I am as busy as ever. I'm riding as little as ever. I'm slinging maple with untapped and preaching the good word about the humble bicycle and traveling as much as ever. It's probably one part rest, another part enjoying the riding more than I ever have before. Plus having nearly 20 years experience riding to know no general training cycles, where and when I need to ride harder or easier. And it's, it's the coming together of those things that just makes riding that much more satisfying at this point in my life. Pete, as you may have just seen, 
announced that he is heading to the big dog. He's going to Dirty Kanza. He's bringing his teammate Keel Reinen, another dude that I used to bump bars against in the world tour. The EF Education First team is sending riders. Heck, I think nearly every pro team in America is sending riders, just as we have seen in the last few years at BWR, DK, and plenty of others. Professional riders and professional teams are coming to gravel, and that is well within the gravel ethos, which is what drew me to the sport initially. It's that it's welcoming. It's pure bike racing. It's fun. It's riding with your buddies and cracking a beer, just as Pete so eloquently states in this conversation. Meanwhile, road racing is in a bit of a lull. Road racing is a bit rote. It's scripted, meaning we know that a breakaway is going to go away. Teams are going to chase. And 95% of the time, the breakaway is going to be caught as teammates do their job working for their team leader and deliver their selected rider to the finish line. Now, I don't want to call road racing boring because you go on and watch what's happening in the Giro right now, and it's riveting bike racing. I can turn on a TV and watch a bike race any day of the week. I love bike racing, and chances are if you listen to this, you do too. However, this scripted nature of bike racing is, in my opinion, against the gravel mentality. Gravel is meant to be duking it out It's playing your cards right from the get-go and racing to the line. I bring up this comparison all the time. In a road race, if you're dropped on the first climb, you may as well flip a Yui, pack it up, go to your car, and head home. Your day is over. The race has gone up the road. Day done. In gravel, however, if you're dropped right out of the gates, you dropped on the first climb, you quickly become a group. You're surrounded with riders with whom your fitness or ability or dexterity on the bike indicate that you should probably be riding with. You generate community and camaraderie and ultimately everyone convenes in the finish line and has a great time together. Again, it's that welcoming nature of gravel. So the tactful nature of road racing, this chess match that's happening out on the roads, this teamwork, the decisions made from a team car, that's great for road racing but let's keep it in road racing. I'm the first one to welcome professionals, professional riders, aspiring pro riders, amateurs, weekend warriors, and every single person in between. I'm so excited to see them come to the gravel scene. But it's just when full teams show up, when there's a designated team captain for the day, when there's someone sweeping a rotating group to keep their captain safe in a pace line, if there's a full team around a designated team captain... When the whole element of gravel, that is the exposure, the self-sufficiency, the needing to figure it out on your own, from the logistics to, to everything that's happening out there in the Wild West, when all of that is thrown out the window, then I guess then we're just road racing off-road. The sport is fluid. Gravel racing is fluid. I think... I think you can see where my my heart lies and the purity of duking it out. I'm excited for this weekend's showdown and party, and I definitely hope you are too. Speaking of a party, Laura and I have received a lot of inquiries, hoping, praying that they could get into rooted Vermont. I think the best one yet, someone saying that they're using this, they're using rooted Vermont as their anniversary gift to their spouse, and could they pretty please get into the event? They want to get into the ride, the party. We are opening 100 spots June 3rd. 
mark your calendar 10 a.m. Eastern time, 100 more spots, which will be the last ones. We'll be up for offer. Head to rootedvermont.com. Mark your calendar for an amazing first week in August. A big thanks goes out to Splat Sunscreen for supporting today's episode of King of the Ride. Now, I'm often asked by young up-and-comers, what advice can I pass along to help set them up for a successful career? Every single time I tell them, wear sunscreen. The amount of time I spend in the sun, I'm sure the amount of time that you spend in the sun, that puts us all at tremendous risk for the harmful effects of the sun's UV radiation. The amount of time that I spend looking for sunscreen in my suitcase, wondering where I left it in my house, wondering if I brought it on my latest trip, that's really high too. Not anymore. That's because Splat solved this problem as they have single serve sunscreen for folks like you and me on the go. I keep these handy little packs in my backpack, in my car. Heck, put them in your saddlebag, your jersey pocket. Definitely check these guys out, splatsunscreen.com, and use code KING at checkout for 20% savings. Folks, that is it for me. That is it for now. Please enjoy this conversation with Pete Stetna. rock and roll. Yeah, man. So, we have been able to tick off some K's today. We got about 240 of them tomorrow. <laughs> um, you recently ticked off about 240K, I think. Your most recent race was LBL, Liège, Baston Liège. Uh, yeah. We can take this in a thousand different directions. How is the form? You're looking fit as a fiddle, Pete. <laughs> How's the form? You know, it's... I think it's pretty good. Um, it's been a good spring. You know, I started in Australia and did the whole Aussie summer, did Catalonia, Basque, Liège. Um, you know, and the, and the big goals are now coming, you know. It's uh, got Tour California around the corner, the Dauphiné. You know, fingers crossed for the Tour spot with the team this year. And uh, But first up, the first goal race is now uh, the Belgian Waffle. <laughs> Heck yes. Um, when you started with January 1, 2019, did you think BWR was on your schedule? Yeah, I actually did. You know, Excellent. Um, the the gravel scene is, as everybody can tell, especially you. You know, it's <laughs> it's you know it's it's booming, and and in the U.S., um, you know, it's the the road racing scene is is dwindling and it's hurting. Um, World tour racing is fine and healthy in Europe. <clears throat> Ain't nothing wrong with it. Um, but in the U.S., you know, it's um, sponsorship money's drying up and. I think the the inherent difference is that in while Europe is a spectator sport, um, you know, uh, people are happy to stand on the side of the road and cheer. Whereas in the U.S., it's a participant sport. You know, they don't want to stand on the side of the road and cheer, but they want to do it, and they want to be now more and more. People want to get away from traffic. They want to be in some iconic adventure where, you know you need a bit of support to finish it and something that you're not going to do on your own. And these new adventure style races, the Belgian waffle, the Kansas, the Leadvilles, they are gonna, um, that they're selling out. They're a lottery system to get into, you know? Um, and that was, I, I started on the mountain bike as a junior. Um, I always wanted to 
do some of those again before I finished. And, um, you know, the timing was just right with the way the U.S. is trending. And I'm one of the Americans on the Trek Segafredo team. And I went to them when we were uh, talking last year about starting a new contract cycle. And I said, I really want to do these, uh, just a couple of them. And Trek was fully behind it. They saw the value in it. So um, I will be at a select handful of um, adventure style races this year. Uh, schedule Sweet. allowing. Yep. I mean, road still takes the, you know, world tour still takes the priority, you know, and that's the, uh, naturally. Yep. Yep. But, um, no, I'm excited. And Belgian waffle is really the, the first one up. Nice. So you're also, your, your home neck of the woods is home of grasshopper adventure series. Miguel Crawford is an absolute legend. 21 years ago, he hosted the first grasshoppers, <laughs> which is absolutely insane. Yep. Um, did you get any grasshoppers this year? I did. Excellent. Yeah. What'd you I, do? What'd you so, do? Um, I, uh, I got super sweet water this year. Okay. Which was, it was good Liège prep, although it didn't help me in Liège because <laughs> it was sideways sleet yeah. and 40 degrees yeah. and a horrible, California had a horrible winter. I was in my rain jacket more than I can ever remember in my life. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I seem to get like one a year, you know, and those events are not like uh, these other adventure races I'm doing. Basically, if I'm at home and I'm training and it's uh, it fits the training schedule and it doesn't affect team travel, then uh, Trek is happy that I can I can do some of them. So I seem to get a, a hopper a year or maybe like I, I also got the fish rock in with the bike oh, monkeys. Nice. Yeah. Also is, horrific weather, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> no, I, I just bring it with me. So it's probably going to sleep tomorrow because yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it did it for Liège too. I seem to. Yeah. I think I did some bad voodoo in my previous life or something. Apparently, it's chasing you. Um, so specifically, what have you brought for for training for this particular race? Or do you somehow, you can't exactly treat it like a typical race, and we'll get into that for all the logistical reasons, but yeah. is there anything that you think is going to be to your advantage or disadvantage come tomorrow, 135 miles of, of San Diego Road, gravel, everything. Well, I got between. Liège in my legs. That's yeah. that's my trump card. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree uh, more. Yeah. Um, Seven hours a week before uh, world tour power. Um, yeah, you know, but you know, there's a lot of you guys have have that technical capability. You know, I ride dirt at home for fun, and I still mountain bike a ton, but I don't really race it anymore. So this is going to be, you know, having to actually take some risks, risks, and risks in the corners and stuff. Uh, you know, just t take it easy on me, but um, it'll be fun, man. Yeah, we'll just uh, we'll just enjoy it out there and hammer and and celebrate or commiserate with beers. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, that's that. I don't mean to make it the lowest common denominator, but that is one thing that I really enjoy about gravel events, and yeah. it seems to be more often than not that I bring up beer at these events, and yeah. it's because I think it's the mass start. Everybody feels like the, the great sense of community rolling out together, and then everybody's sharing a beer at the finish. Or if you don't want a beer, whatever. Have a cider, have a soda yeah, water. Yeah. But, like, it is purely that community. Um, I also couldn't agree more that with World Tour Fitness, you have the length in your legs, the strength, the, the meal discipline, as I nosh away on tortilla chips here. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, your, your fitness level is just going to be at, a, at another level. But you see a lot of World Tour teams coming to... EF Education First, they're coming to Kansas this year, and, uh -huh. and you know more and more pros coming to these events. Um, you and I are products of the USA Cycling, call it development. I did one year in the U23, you did a whole handful of years, yeah, I think yeah. racing as a junior. 
I'm a huge fan of USA Cycling and what they represent to, to, to get kids on bikes, to develop through the ranks, and get to the ultimately get to the World Tour. Right. The, the falling away of traditional road racing is happening in parallel with the absolute boom of gravel. How do you see, or can you, what the future holds for, for American American juniors or more Americans in general trying to get to the world tour. Knowing, like, we just won U23 Liege-Bastogne-Liege. We have amazing 18 yeah. to 22-year-olds. What's going to happen to the kids who are currently 5 to 15 years old? You know, I think it's it's just going to be getting on the bike, you know, and you have things now like the Nike League. Like, you and I didn't have, if we had a high school mountain bike racing, I would have been all about that. I was running cross-country instead, you know, and trying to split sports. And... You know, that's that's huge. And, you know, USA Cycling has the junior development camps and all that. I mean, that's all it's you're getting kids on bikes and getting stoked on racing. And that was my transition. I started on the mountain bike and then eventually I started doing like a couple like Colorado crits, you know, with the elites. And I was good enough. And all of a sudden, you know, there's that there's that that light bulb goes off and you win like 30 bucks in a premium. And you're like, wait, I can make money doing this, <laughs> you know, and then road racing was a natural transition to that. There was more support. There was. Uh, a higher competition level, you know, like when we were coming up through the ranks, that was the next step was like trying to go pro on the road. And whether or not like you start seeing gravel pros or mountain bike has another heyday, I don't know, you know, like that'll be really interesting to see. But as long as the kid is racing and fit, you can transition from one discipline to the other. Mm -hmm. I mean, you saw like that uh, Ashton Lambie guy, he was a gravel guy and now he's pursuit yeah. on a track like as long as you got like the power and the form like right you can make it work and furthermore if you race well okay this is a little bit of a uh elaboration but you know you, you sort of joke about your bike handling skills and take it easy on you like if you race in the world tour your bike handling skills are the one percent of the one percent sure you're not <laughs> peter sagan doing trials riding but right. you are an exemplary bike rider among anybody else who's who's in the world tour yeah um but that's also what's sweet about the, these events. I mean, you get, you know, Pace McKelvin coming out, you know, pro mountain biker. You get cross riders. Talk about cross. Yeah. A couple uh, cyclocrossers at the World Tour are doing pretty well. Named I know. Vanderpool and I never Crowder. thought a crosser could race more than an hour. Look, it showed Unreal. me wrong. Unreal. <laughs> um, yeah. So here we are at a very bustling taqueria, which you have you've eaten at at least once this week. And yeah. you promised me you're going to eat here tomorrow as well. Yeah, post-race. Yeah, a mile. Brilliant, exactly, single to mile. Um, this is probably not what you'd be doing in preparation for Liège or even Tour of California. Maybe Tour of California, but probably. this is the very atypical preparation for a bike race. No different than you driving yourself around and you yeah. sourcing your own mechanic work. One, talk about you know a lead up to Liège uh, in terms of like what you have to prep for and how you're doing your travel and so on and so forth. I mean gloss over it or go deep as you'd like and then yeah. talk about what you're doing here which is as close or different as as Liege. You know they are they're worlds apart you know and, and the pro tour is that that encompassing extremely professional monastic lifestyle and you know it's even it's all even it can be considered stuck in tradition where there's like the race meal and you're eating white rice and chicken or pasta and it's you know, you just think of fuel as, or sorry, as food as fuel, you know, and, you know, and, and then you have the Americans specifically, you know, we come from a different mindset where, you know, we grew up eating this kind of stuff. Like, I will argue my teammates under the table about 
a burrito is maybe the best race meal you can have. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked to you guys about Thai food earlier, but like a burrito, I mean, you got carbs in the tortilla and the rice, you got meat in there, you got veggies in there. Like that's a complete meal. You're mm-hmm. just substituting the plate for the tortilla. And the convenience of a tortilla. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I can't tell you how many races I did in like won a nationals on a Chipotle burrito. Sure. Were you were you, you in the slip team program when you guys were sponsored by Chipotle? Yeah, that car. Ah, uh, that thing was priceless. Oh, and I was there was a there was a Chipotle like two blocks from my yeah. high school. Yeah. And <laughs> we would we abused that thing so much. Uh-huh. It was it was glorious. So yeah, there you are. I mean, you are you're part of a routine. It's almost like being in an assembly line, getting ready for a world tour race. Yeah. You... Okay. So yeah, and you know it's uh. The night before that, I mean, it's very, you know, there's there's the model and it's proven to work and it's, you know, you're doing massage, you're keeping your feet up in the hotel room. It's, uh, you you literally just have to pedal your bike, you know, and that's that's your job and to be on when it's time to race uh, mentally and physically. And here, you know, there's a lot more pieces to the puzzle. It's, uh, you know, you're trying to make sure the bike is ready. You're trying to meet up with uh, people for different sponsor engagements. You're dealing with the rental car, uh, the plane tickets, all that. And it's fun though, it's an adventure because it brings you back and it keeps you fresh, you know? It's it's a, something new and exciting and a different way. It's also a little nostalgic, like it's just me and my wife here in a hotel room, you know, eating out at breakfast and stuff. Um, and, and I think they're complimentary because, you know, having fun like this and still racing and, and shredding with guys, but then, you know, taking a load off and having a beer after the race and just having a nice vibe around the weekend gets you mentally ready to go back in the trenches of the world tour too, you know, and it's, and you come back fresh and, and this is great training. I mean, I can show you freaking power files from the fish rock and they're close to a classic. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're hammering all day, like that's like a breakaway in a classic. Yep, you know? yep, yep. So. I hear that. Okay. And then, I mean, you touched on a bit. Here you are and you're looking after your 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 bike and, and you have the access to sponsors who are nearby who are supporting the event. Uh, you're traveling with your wife. You have to do the rental car. How easy is it? How stressful is it? How... How enjoyable is it, or is it just simply different than than the the routine of the world tour? It's all of it. You know, it, it is. It's stressful, but it's fun because it's new and it's something different. You and, got dudes hounding you to do a podcast. And, and I knew, yeah, yeah. No, Ted's <laughs> hassling you, texting you every freaking thirty minutes. Like, how about now? How about now? Are you free now? Are you free yeah, now? Yeah. Oh shit! I should have bought your burrito. I'll buy yours tomorrow. <laughs> it's all good, man. Um, yeah, it's uh. But I also knew that was coming into it, you know, it was like, you know, Trek was like, you know, we're supporting you or getting you the product you need to race this race. And, you know, we'll cover the flights and the hotels and all that. But, you know, I it's on to me to book it, to make the logistics, to make the plan, you know, connect with the organizer, do the registration and all that. So so talk to me about today. You got you're on 28 C tires on a pretty wide rim. So it looks to me like it looks like a 30. I'm okay. running 35s this weekend. They're big. Yeah. I am well removed now. I'm now on my fourth year removed from the World Tour. The a huge tire when I was racing would be a 28. Yeah. Do you ever touch anything? What are you guys racing on? We're racing 25 tubulars still. Okay. Yeah. So up. The more things change. Yeah. The more they stay the same. Yep. Is anybody running tubeless? Not that I know of. Everyone's still on tubulars. I don't know if it's tradition or it's still the fastest. Um, I know. Some guys do time trials on tubeless, I guess. You know, Tony Martin was doing that for a while. No kidding. I think they've had some studies that, like, a tubeless 
clincher disc wheel is like the lowest rolling resistance. That's Tony it. Martin was doing that a couple of years ago. Huh. Yeah. Far out. Well, um, upon retiring, I have not ridden anything narrower than a 28. I train on 28s in Sonoma County, so. They're yeah. tubeless? No. This is my first weekend ever on tubeless. Well, you're going to love it. Oh, yeah, that's why you're like, what kind of pressure are you running? What yeah, should I be running? I have no idea. And isn't it funny? And then it'll get in your head and be like, yeah. that's too high. Somebody else said this. I'm like, well, that's I also funny. there's so many variables. Like, you and I weigh a considerable different amount yeah. on different terrains, on different width tires. So, it's the heck out of me. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen. And I also come from, like, the road world of, like, you pump those things up like a rock and, like, you bounce to the corners and... I'm still like of the mindset like I know like I need these grip in these like downhill corners you know like you were even gapping me today a little bit but it was like if I take pressure out then I'm going to be slower on the flats and on the road you know like and you you don't want to give that up man sure it's, well, it's and that's a lottery what, that is what I love about gravel is it is this leveling of the playing field so yeah, you, you can choose bring, your weapon exactly yeah. you got roadies you got cross rangers you got mountain bikers you got track riders Ash and Lambdy you have literally riding on pavement, you ride on sand, you ride on gravel, you have climbs. Like, everybody is going to be at an advantage, huge advantage or huge disadvantage somewhere out on the course. Yep. Um, it's true. It's really cool. It is wonderful. It is interesting. It is dynamic. Um, I'm. There's just this forever question mark flying above my head about what what is the future. I mean, to, to backtrack a tiny bit, like thinking about traditional road racing and how that is going in a particular trajectory. And cycling in general is very fluid. So who's to say in three more years, like American cycling, uh, traditional road sense could be booming or maybe cyclocross. Yeah. Or, or mountain. I mean, I'll, yeah. Beats the heck out of me. I don't um, know, man. Yeah. If we had a crystal ball, you know where to put the, be the, the forefront or the, what, the, the forefather of the next trend. And, exactly. Yeah. Tubeless. Put all your money on tubeless. <laughs> so, um, we share an interesting trait in that, not trait, commonality in that we both have rides that benefit facilities for those with with spinal cord or brain injury. Yeah. My father had a stroke 16 years ago. Yep. Your father was in a bicycle accident a handful yep. of years ago. TBI. TBIs are terrible. Yeah. I think we can both agree. Um, tell me about working with high fives. Yeah, they're great. You know, I... Um uh, the way that, you, as you know, like uh, injuries like that are not uh, linear. You know, they're they're up and they're down, and and the recovery rate, you backslide sometimes. It's not like a healing a broken bone. And um, and the way my dad's recovery went, um, it didn't go well in the end. I mean, he's he's still alive, but things are difficult, and um, we weren't able to help him as much as we would have liked to. Just the nature of his injury, we can't. And um, so I wanted to give back somehow in some way, and I decided to create a ride that benefited other families, even more so than the people dealing with it because it took such a strain on our family and it rips families apart. Big time. So I wanted to give back to the families that are going through this as well. And I was actually looking at just creating a foundation around a ride, but then uh, I spent a lot of time up in Tahoe, I'm a part-time resident, and my buddy turned me on to the High Fives Foundation and lo and behold, there's a foundation that already does this. They help people and their families get their lives back on track. It's not just like financial support and doctor's bills. It's like, you know, they rehab you and they teach you how to like, you know, get on a quad ski so you can ski with your kids again someday. Like they get you living again, you know, and that's important. And so uh, we created the, the Prospect Ride and that supports 
the High Fives Foundation. We have a big gala dinner. Uh, last year we raised 35 grand in one night for them. Holy cow! Yeah, it was rad. So congrats. Um, yeah, it was it was huge, you know. And um, it's just you know giving back to the, to your tribe because you meet those athletes and you realize that's us. Like the only difference is they fell one inch to the left or right, you know, and snap. And and but they shred just as hard as we do, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's you can. Especially cyclists, I think you can. There's a million times in your career where you could put yourself in that position, you know. And so, you know, it's it's lifting each other back up, you know. And then uh, it's, yeah, it's fulfilling. Truth, yeah. Um, brain injuries suck. Um, yeah, they do. The much like high fives, the the Crample Center. One of their, the greatest attributes is that. It, it certainly supports those living with a brain injury, but it's it's for the caregivers and the family and the support That's group. That's awesome. Because just like cycling, yeah, it is the individual, but it's also the the team and and the support community around it that's going to allow it to succeed. So it's true, man. Yep. Awesome events there. Um, what is the date for Prospect Ride? Uh, well, this year we're doing the Pioneers Camp, which cool. is uh, we are transitioning to a bit more. Uh, gravel just like i am um we're gonna be uh down in carson city now uh and there's some untouched stuff that's pretty rad Ooh, um, secret sauce yeah like some All secret right. stuff there's uh we're scouting routes right now we had to wait a little later than ideal because of the epic snows this year but things are finally uh drying out and clearing open so um i'll be getting on the gravel bike and doing a bit more uh prospecting and um yeah, but we're uh, this year is going to be uh, mid-September. We're going to do the Pioneers Camp, uh, some select individuals for an all-inclusive weekend with uh, other like-minded people and, and you know, uh, fancy paired meals with custom beer, custom wine. You know, I, I partner with a brewery for the, the namesake beer, the Secret Stash. Um, and then uh, the main event will be uh, early 2020. So uh, we're just kind of taking a... Not even a gap year, but a gap six months to really like dial in the route and capture some content around it and make sure we do it right, you know. Excellent. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, if you're uh, around, man, it'd be great to have you out shred some some gravel. <laughs> come spring, I'm looking for for and fall. Eh, fall's New England, but any yeah. excuse to get out west. Uh, yeah, this man. has been a long winter, <laughs> yeah. so it's yeah. kind of funny being out here in sunny San Diego. <laughs> right. um, those who are paying your paycheck are going to be suggesting highly that you race a world tour schedule and they want to see you you know perform at these world tour races as the sport <laughs> is fluid and, and there's more of these mass start events that are attracting amateurs pro mountain bikers pro anything um are gaining more and more prominence how much do you see you being able to dictate a schedule versus a team all of a sudden saying no you it's not that you are have well, the option to go into a bwr but like you're going to bwr no, I'll, I'll put it this way in that, um, you know, the, the schedule is very much a conversation still. And Trek is really good about that. They know I'm happy in the U.S. They know events like this are important to me and California is important to me, you know. Um, so they they believe the same as I do that a happy racer is a fast racer at the end. They're not going to be the guys making me sit in Europe all year long and just beat my head against the wall in windy crosswind races, you know, because nobody <laughs> wins there. Um, you know, and, and it works for Belgians, but yeah, they believed in in me uh, to to try this this year, and um, they see the trend. And uh, you know, right now it's up to me to really show that this is of value to a World Tour team. You know, I mean, because at the end of the day, 
world tour racing is super important and that's the the most uh, notoriety but you know this is this is where the masses are and we are marketing bicycles you know like you have sponsors i have sponsors like it's a brand and all the people who are buying these bikes are here this weekend you know mm -hmm. like this is this is ground zero and it's also a personal thing too you know like you we talked about it's a lifestyle and you know i that's why the prospect was founded that's why i'm here this weekend is you know there's there's times when i you know you're focused on the tour de france and world tour racing and going as fast as possible but the the beauty of cycling is still those epic rides with your buddies and then cracking a beer afterwards and talking about it and that is what i really love about cycling still um so there's there's definitely a place for both in cycling yeah music's my ears yeah man um yeah the whole sport is community the whole purpose is supposed to be fun yes it's professional yes there are winners of bike races yeah but it is a really cool place to be to be supported <laughs> by corporate companies to uh, to yeah. go ride a bike. So And I think people day, need to relate right. too cuz you know when people pass you pass someone on a mountain doing an interval or whatever like they can't a lot of people can't fathom going that fast on a bike and you're you're not relatable to them. But when you show up at these events, you know, and you're hanging out, you're drinking a beer and they realize, you know, you're not just a watt robot, but you're you're a dude who just likes to to shred and have fun and and ride bikes like and eat hamburgers like they're, I think they can relate to that more, and that creates a lasting impression in a day when marketing is all, you know, uh, un, uh, what, what's the right word? Uh, ungenuine, what is it? Unge disingenuine? Disingenuine, yeah. you know, retweets and stuff, you know, like it's, you got to create a real advertisement in person, and then people remember it, you mm -hmm. know, and that's... That's what we can do here. Sure. Well, yeah. Authenticity is such a buzzword and this hackneyed word, but it's yeah. it's so true and pure Especially and right. Especially in social media today, yeah. man. It's Fact. True. Well, we are still in the day before bike race, so we're going to wrap up here shortly. We're going to wrap up with three very important questions. I'm going to ask them machine gun style. You're going to answer them in any order you'd like. One, what is your favorite place to ride a bike? Two, what is the number one place you would like to ride a bike that you've never ridden? And three, with whom... Would you like to go for a ride, living or otherwise? Oh, those are hard ones. That's like the birthday party, but exactly. ride a bike. Um, Wicked hard questions with Ted King. Yeah, wicked hard. Wicked hard. Can I say hella now because I live in California? You, Even if I wasn't born there. Especially because we're in SoCal, you have to say hella. Because it's NorCal? Well, because people huh. in NorCal say unless you were born there, you can't say hella. But I actually, like, it started slipping out a little bit now. <laughs> and I, like, my wife kind of gets mad at me, but I'm like... I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, we accept. These yes. were hella good tacos today. Those are wicked hella good. <laughs> um, if I could ride a bike with anybody, um, ooh, I don't know if I'd ride with like another pro, you know, because because you get to do that yeah, like seventy days yeah, a year. Like, who would I ride a bike with? I'd ride a bike with like just a really good storyteller. Like Mark Twain. Yes. Or uh, Hugh Paulo Hefner. Coelho, like the author of The Alchemist, you know, Whoa, just someone yeah, with like yeah, flowery yeah. wording and just like a poet. Sure. That would be fun. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the place I'm happiest to ride, it's Lake Tahoe. It's just bliss. You know, it's, it's my special spot. You know, you're climbing these epic views. Uh, 
mountain biking the flume trail where you almost yeah. fall off because you're watching the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've gone a million places in the world. The Dolomites come to mind, but Tahoe is, it's my happy place. I'm with you. We get that answer a lot. Like, we are blessed, and most people we talk to are very well-traveled, and, and there's so many awesome places, but it's home. It's yeah, like, where's yeah. that special spot? Yeah. You know, if I, I always ride up the West Shore towards Tahoe City for my training rides, but you're on the lake road, and, like, if I had to do that morning commute every day for the rest of my life, like, that would be so bad, <laughs> you know? Like, that, those 20 minutes along Lake Tahoe with the sunrise, like, yeah. all right. Winning. Um, and then and number one place. That I could go ride. That you've never ridden that you'd like to go ride a bike. Oh, man. Columbia? You've been to, you raced Columbia? I haven't done Columbia. That's, that's and a, it's up that's there. That's a popular one. I would say, like, Chile on a road bike. Sick. Like, towards Patagonia, like, the Lakes District, I've heard, is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I want to go hiking there this fall with my wife. That would be incredible. Um, and mountain biking, I would like to do something like in the Himalaya. Oh man. Yeah. That'd be nuts. Uh, yeah. I do some work with, and another guest in the podcast is Fareed Nouri, who is a kid who's, who's born and raised in Afghanistan, has traveled all over the world, ended up going to the same college that I went to. And he's starting mountain bike Afghanistan, which, you know, it's a very uh, marginalized country that's you know, absolutely war-torn, ravaged by the Taliban still. But he has started this organization to, to because they're so pre-industrial still, like they don't want to be be torn apart by all the pollution and, and mm -hmm. modern modernization of a country. The place is so pure, the mountains are so big and massive and it is amazing to see where they're riding some awesome rides. Um, thank you for your time, it's yeah. been a pleasure. It's been great racing against you. We're gonna have some fun tomorrow. Friendship now, war tomorrow, buddy. Bingo, and then no. <laughs> cheers at the Lost Abbey Brewery afterwards. Frenemies. Exactly. We're in frenemies now. All right, yeah. have a great afternoon, rest up. We'll see you way too early tomorrow. Yeah, all right. Once again, I want to thank Pete Stetna for taking the time amid a very busy, self-sufficient gravel slash world tour race schedule to talk with me before BWR. I also want to thank Splat Sunscreen for supporting today's pod. Splat provides awesome sunscreen designed for athletes and people like you who are always on the go. Their individual packs are ideal for stowing in a jersey pocket, a backpack, keep them in your car or even your saddlebag. Definitely check them out, splatsunscreen.com. Use code KING at checkout for 20% savings. Splat is what I used at BWR this year. Keep your eyes peeled for Splat at Dirty Kanza, at SBT Gravel. They're going to be out at Leadville and plenty of other events in between. Awesome company. Check them out, splatsunscreen.com. And lastly... I want to send you on your way with the cool, easy listenings of Pete and I discussing the making of a good, no, a great Mexican restaurant. Thanks for listening, folks. Until next time, please enjoy the ride. Microphone, 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 check. Yeah, man. What'd you go with? These little street tacos are awesome, El Pastor, and then two of the fish tacos. For me, the fish tacos is so the mark. you horses. <laughs> I guess so. I think, like, the fish taco is the mark of a good Mexican restaurant. Like, if it's, like, soggy and battered, you know it's gonna, like, the place sucks. But if they have, like, a good grilled taco on a good tortilla, like, they know what they're doing, they're fresh, Baja style, like you say, you know, that's... 
that's the sign of a good Mexican restaurant. I like tacos, but I'm more of a burrito guy. Because I want the size and the girth. And then furthermore, if you can wrap it up and still get that like crisp, delicious fish, that's a sign of a good fish. Yep, that is true. And especially the day before an event like tomorrow. Burrito power is real. Mm-hmm. It exists. It's science. I used to ride with Hendy, and when we would do like massive smashing rides, it was after McGuay's went into town. And so there's actually decent Mexican food. And be like, all right, that was a burrito ride. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was like, that was like a burrito. No, that's a two burrito ride. That was a two burrito ride? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's a sign of a big day. 